So we've talked about three different passages of scripture, and I have them on your screen for you here in just a second. These three different passages of scripture are 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. All three of these are ones that you should study and look at throughout the next several weeks as we finish out this series because these are the, the places that we're anchored to in God's word that talk about gifts. I want you to hear me this morning though. When we talk about leadership gifts in the church, I don't want you to zone out and say, Pastor, I'm not a leader. This message isn't for me because I sincerely believe That there are two types of people in this world. Those who are leaders and those who are being led. Think about that. I know it's really profound. It's elementary. But those who are leaders and those who are being led. If you are one who is being led, then you need to know how to bless and encourage those who are leading you. Amen? And if you are one who is leading others, you definitely need to know God's perspective on these things. So I want you to take some notes today, and we'll have some details on the screen. But we're going to look at two different gifts uh, that are in Scripture that have to do with leading the body of Christ. And we categorize these under this title of leadership, which the Bible doesn't have this word leadership inside of it. But the reason why we give it that title is because of the amount of oversight that these two different roles give in the church, that they provide in the church. So go with me in your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll just read verse 28 this morning. It says this, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. The first leadership gift that we'll look at today is actually the gift of administration. So it's the gift of administration, and you may be familiar with this, but I'll give you a definition so that it helps us understand where we're going. The gift of administration is a God-given ability to understand what makes an organization function and the special ability to plan and execute procedures that accomplish the goals of the group. So an administrator is someone who is in charge. It's a doer. It's somebody who gets the job done. It's somebody who thinks through processes and helps give structure to, to a goal, to be able to reach a goal. If you want to reach the goal of uh, running your first marathon, you had better get on a treadmill today, right? Uh, if you want to reach a goal, you have to take a step in that direction. And so a person who is gifted in administration, it's not just the natural ability to put things in order or organize, but it's a supernatural grace from God to be able to understand what it takes to make the organization function, we need those kinds of people in the church. Amen? Amen? People with this gift, they like to do certain things. They like to develop strategies. They're always thinking. They're trying to plan ahead. I love a quote I came across years ago, and it's something that I hold near and dear. I try to honor and follow it as much as possible. It goes like this. Basically, the thought is 
that leaders don't just anticipate what's next, but they actually plan for what comes after next. That is the idea behind somebody who has the gift of administration. They're thinking and strategizing their planning in order for them to reach the goal. They like to organize people or tasks and events. They're thorough. They don't miss a detail when it comes to these sorts of things. You say, well, pastor, that sounds a little bit like me. Well, I'm going to tell you how to use that in the body of Christ. They're efficient. Somebody asked me recently, I was doing a job interview I was, I was hosting a job interview, I should say. And the young woman who was there, uh, 16 years old, I was absolutely stunned by the end of the interview. This young woman, I told her about the details of the job, how much it pays, how many hours she's going to get, that kind of thing. And this girl was raised right. I tell you, her daddy must have prepped her for this first interview for her first job. It was awesome. Something that's never happened. And I, I have done, I could probably say, well over a 100 interviews in my life that I've interviewed people for different jobs. This is the first time this has ever happened. At the end of my interview, I always say, do you have any questions for me? Did we cover everything? You know, is there anything that you've got that you need some more information on? And she said, well, actually, yeah, I was thinking since this is my first job and that kind of thing. I mean, I guess I know what to expect, but what type of expectations do you have for your employees? I said, how old are you? (laughs) I mean, besides they show up on time, besides like the basic stuff, she, she went on for just a second. And I said, wow. I said, I've, I've never been asked that in an interview. But let me just tell you, we don't gossip around here. We're not toxic. We, you know, and I just gave her a couple of things that are kind of expectations that aren't really written down in ink that are on the page. And she said, I really appreciate that just so I can know what to expect. And I thought, I appreciate your daddy and your mama for having raised you this way. But here's what I said. One of the things, and you say, Pastor, where's this rabbit trail going? I said, I appreciate this. I appreciate excellence and efficiency. People who are administrative are efficient. They're always trying. This is not because they're lazy. They're not trying to not work hard. They're trying to work smart. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, we need more people in the world that want to work smarter, not harder. But they're responsible individuals. They're trustworthy. What you tell them can be kept with them. It doesn't become part of the prayer chain at the church. That's an old school way of gossip that uh, isn't around these days. Maybe in text they do that. Did you hear that so-and-so? But we don't, we don't know what that's about because that doesn't happen around here. Trustworthy and here's the other thing, they're objective. So they're not in it just for uh, selfish gain or their own pleasure or their own pride. They're in it because they've got this idea that together we're better and we're going to get to this goal. And so they're making estimated decisions about the direction of where they're headed. You say, well, how does that play out in a church? My God, we need 
people like that in the body of Christ. Amen. So they love to organize people and tasks. They assist ministries in becoming more effective and efficient. A good example of that is a ministry coordinator, somebody who organizes the ministry leaders of the church, somebody who works within the authority of the church and is um, somebody who people can go to as a resource. So the church of God needs visionary leadership. We need people like Moses who are called by God, given this big plan by God. And then we need people like Aaron who put the plan to work and actually get the other people to do the things that are necessary in order to get in that direction, to make the vision come to life and become a reality. So if you've got the spiritual gift of administration, you are probably an organized person. You're probably not the person with fast food wrappers all over your floorboard in your car. Um, (laughs) Some of you are laughing because you're like, okay, X, this one off the list. I'm not that one. Um, But you're somebody who's thorough and efficient. Um, Here's the other thing. They aren't a dictator, but they're a servant leader. They're trying to get the whole team to the finish line. That's the idea of an administrator or someone who's gifted in this way. I give you that example of Moses and Aaron. You know, God gave Moses the vision and direction of what was necessary, but he needed Aaron to be able to make the plan come together and actually get to that end goal. One of the hindrances of growth in any organization, whether it's the church whether it's the company that you work for, it's a lack of natural administration. How many of you have recognized the lack of administration in an organization you've been part of? How frustrating is that? When there's, when there's not somebody who's trying to mobilize the troops, where there's not that support and, and that sort of leadership. So it can be extremely frustrating to be in a situation like that. And so we want to make sure that we understand that when Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, if that's your gift, then by God, do it in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. So um, having, having good ideas and big plans is great and all, but the second step to that is having doers who can get it done. Amen. And so I have a warning for each one of these today. We're only going to cover two different leadership um, giftings today. But the warning that I would give to those who have the gift of administration, there's a pitfall, um, actually two of them, really, that need to be avoided. And these two pitfalls, are they can, they can kill an organization, the momentum. They can kill the ministry of a person. They are pride and bitterness. We need to avoid them. You say, well, pastor, doesn't every Christian need to avoid them? (laughs) Yes. But those who have the gift of administration, there's a special temptation that's, that's available to them and knocking on their door all the time. And that is their pride in their work goes to a dark place. It becomes a, wow, look what I did. And the bitterness aspect, you say, well, how are those things one and the same or how are they connected? The bitterness aspect comes in this way. If I am working within the confines of ministry inside of a church, and I am somebody who is gifted in administration, if I make a suggestion to those who are in authority over me, 
and that suggestion is not taken, when things don't go the way that I think they should, I can stand there and go, hmm, should have listened to me. Should have followed what I said. Or when things go a different way than expected, we can be at the place of being bitter because it went different than we had planned or than we had thought. So this is a real thing that people like myself who have the gift of administration working in their life, pride and bitterness are definitely always knocking at the door. So we've got to be extremely cautious. Pride is a temptation. And if you give in to pride, then you end up becoming a usurper of the authority that God has placed over you. You may not recognize this name, but I'd encourage you to do a little study this week. There's a man in the Bible named Absalom. He was a son of David who is in the Bible. And it's a good example of what pride and bitterness can do to a person who potentially had the gift of administration, as far as I can see throughout Scripture. I mean, because he was going to be the leader of a country, of a nation, of people. But Absalom was guilty of pride and bitterness. He would stand outside the city walls and he'd say, well, if I were the king, I would have chosen to do this. And people were listening to him. Well, if I had the ability to, well, if I had, but here's the problem. God had not given him the authority to make those decisions. And so Absalom's fall was great. And David did uh, honor his son. He was very mournful or or grievous and sad that his son had passed away, even though he betrayed his own father. But it's an interesting story because Absalom says something that gets said in the hearts of people within churches and even within your secular companies that you work for, which is, if I was the boss, I wouldn't have done it that way. That's pride. And so we have to be very, very careful that we don't give in to it. And the deal with bitterness is this, more and more, you know, the more gray, I, gray hair I get and the older I get, I realize that bitterness leads to something. The Bible in the New Testament talks about the root of bitterness, and you've heard your pastor talk about his own struggle and how the Lord had set us free from our situations in ministry and no longer deal with bitterness in that regard with those people and Something that's really important for you to think about, though, is if bitterness is allowed to, um, to, to rest there or reside in your heart, it actually can lead to something we call rebellion. I don't think I've met or known about a situation in a church that involved division where one party in that church, in that mess, was not bitter. Think about it. You, you know some people. You know some situations and some churches. You remember some details about things that you'd been involved in. At some point, somewhere, someone is carrying bitterness, and that leads them to rebellion. So this is a serious thing. When we talk about the spiritual gifts, there's a downside to these things that we need to be careful of and watch out for. But by all means, Celebrate Church needs people who are gifted in administration. And we've got a couple of them, amen? And I'm thankful. But if you have this gift, don't let it lie dormant. 
let it be used for God's glory and for the growth of the church. Because every area of leadership in the church needs administration. And here's a secret. If you see it, you may be the solve or the solution to the problem. If you're the one who's constantly frustrated because it is lacking, fill in the blank, whatever it may be, then chances are God has actually gifted you for that thing. We think about us being gifted just in the way of the things that we're good at, that everybody compliments us on. But there's a lot of times that we can actually narrow down our giftings to the things that frustrate us. Because those things that frustrate us, those things are meant in God's view as part of our purpose. To be able to be used for his glory if we can be part of the solution. Amen? Are you with me? Okay. The next leadership gift is shepherding. So the next leadership gift that we'll talk about today is shepherding or pastoring. Now, before you get uh, to the place of, <laughs> wait a second, pastor, I'm not a pastor. Just read the screen, okay? The gift of shepherding is a God-given gift and ability to assume long-term personal responsibility for the spiritual care and, and welfare of a group of people. We do not call my wife Pastor Amy. In some context, she probably would be called Pastor Amy, but we do not call her Pastor Amy. But I can tell you she shepherds and she has the gift of shepherding and I'm so thankful because she cares. She makes herself involved and invested in the lives of the women of the church. She has the gift of shepherding without the title of pastor. So this is something important for you to think about. This isn't just a message to say, hey, listen, if you're called the pastor, then by all means, I'm excited. I'll help you get trained and we'll get you into a position where you can. But when we talk about the spiritual gift of shepherding, we're talking about somebody who has a God-given grace to care and, cons and concern themselves with a group of people for the long term, who are in it for the long term, who are worried about and want to see the growth of a person in their spiritual walk with Christ. Look at what Ephesians chapter 4 says. Now, this passage of scripture, there are other um, scholars and experts who would say that these are called ministry gifts that are listed in verse 11. But I'm just going to read this whole passage, which goes to verse 14. And I want you to see something really important. Paul says to the church at Ephesus, and he, being God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or adulthood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So Paul is saying that God has given these offices. He mentions their apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, shepherd, and teacher. He mentions those to say that they're for the building up of the body of Christ so that it can prevent us from walking in a direction that is not right. 
I want you to think about the job of an actual, physical, real-life shepherd. What are some of the duties of a shepherd? The spiritual gift of shepherding is very similar, and we can see that relation or correlation to what a shepherd's tasks were. This is important. The reason why I say that is because this word in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, is the only place in Scripture that the word in the original language that means shepherd is translated pastor. In your version, it may very well say pastor. There are 16 other references throughout Scripture that have that same exact word, but the word is not translated pastor, it's translated shepherd. So the role of someone who is a shepherd or who has that spiritual gift of shepherding is the idea of somebody who is looking out for predators. That's what a shepherd does. If a shepherd is leading sheep, they are watching carefully over the sheep. Now, I don't know how someone who maybe has a TV program and is on you know, TV right now this morning from a large church with 10,000 people who attend their services, I don't know how they individually, it's possible for them to watch and care over 10,000 people. The answer is it's not. The way that they actually accomplish that for the ministry is that they have many other people with the gift of shepherding that are in charge of all the other small groupings of people. So this gift of shepherding doesn't necessarily, if you have it, it doesn't mean that you're called to become a pastor, but it does mean that you are pastoring people. So a real life shepherd not only watches out for predators, but they protect the sheep. I think if you think about it, our ministry leaders in our church, they have the gift of shepherding. Yes, there are times in churches all over America, probably the world, where a warm body is put into a position just because a need is there to fill it. But then there are amazing opportunities for those who actually have the gift of shepherding to lead the people that they're in charge of and to watch out for the things that would kind of defeat their team or defeat them spiritually and that sort of thing. They care for the wounded and the sick sheep and they nurse them back to help, to health, sorry. They help them to be healthy. They rescue them if they become lost or trapped. That's what a shepherd is supposed to do or that person who has the gift of shepherding. It's that longing in their heart, that grace in their heart to, to make sure that the sheep that they are in charge of or around are taken care of. It's that, you might understand it like this, how many of you have ever heard the term mama bear? There's something special that happens and I would say it's supernatural. Uh, when a mama gets angry, and she's trying to protect her, her cubs, okay, her children. Um, it's that same sort of drive that's inside the heart of the person who has the gift of shepherding. They spend time with the sheep and they guide them to places of nourishment and rest. We talk all the time about the fact that this should not be your only meal on Sunday, but I sure hope it's a good one. <laughs> I sure hope that 
Monday through Saturday, you're eating and feeding yourselves as well. But that's the job of a person who has the gift of shepherding. So the result is this. If the shepherd has done all these things for the sheep, he's built trust. She's built trust. And there's trust there between the sheep and the shepherd. So much so, and I've, I love this discovery I made several years ago about just actual sheep herding. That if many herds are actually intermingling on a hillside, a shepherd's voice can call his herd and they all come and follow him out of the mix of hundreds. It could be tons of sheep there. But they've learned to follow the voice of their shepherd and they come out of it. So there's something for us to understand about the gift of a shepherd that they provide guidance and oversight to a group of people. I would say that those who are ministry leaders in our church are those who are shepherding those groups of people. They've got to also um, want to establish trust and confidence in the people that they're leading. And they've got to protect those who are in their care. My mind goes back to the message on Mother's Day about the love of a mother and that example of King Solomon and the, um, the, the baby, the living baby and the dead baby with the two mothers. The, that mother's love that caused, it was going to be a sacrifice for her to say, no, keep it alive and give it to her if you have to, but keep it alive. It's that understanding that we are protecting those who are in our care. You need people who shepherd you not just in the church, but in life, right? We need people who lead us. So here are some characteristics of people with the spiritual gift of shepherding. They're nurturing. They're guiding. They're always focused on getting you up and keep on going. They are supportive, relational, and influential. And here are some ways that are on your screen of how you can, if you have the gift the spiritual gift of shepherding, how you can use it in the body of Christ. Support the work, the vision, and the direction of your pastor. I say this not in a self-serving way. I say this, and I tell you this almost every single time I say something about your pastor. (laughs) Even if your pastor isn't this man, I still want you to do this thing. I want you to, if you move a thousand miles away and find a new church, Support the work, the vision, and the direction of that pastor. Become a small group leader or a ministry leader. If your heart longs for ministry and it's not present in the body of Christ, maybe, just maybe, God wants you to be the one to start it. Amen? Y'all getting quiet. Am I going too fast? Talking too much? And then guide others to a deeper walk with God. I know some people who are very invested in the lives of others here in this church. Every chance they get, it's not a, hey, how are you? How's your week been? It's a deeper conversation of, remember the last time we talked, we we were talking a little bit about the struggle that you had with blah, blah, blah. And I've been really praying for you about that. Have you had any victory in your life as a result? Like that's the kind of person that God has gifted with shepherding. So use that gift in the body of Christ. Acts chapter 6 tells us about seven men who had this spiritual gift of shepherding. They were essentially charged with making sure that the widows of the church were taken care of. 
If you remember some of the details from Acts, the Holy Spirit comes and all of a sudden there's all these Jewish people who are now being called Christians because they believe that Jesus is their Messiah. And now they're meeting in groups of people and they're coming together every week and they're having meals and there's even some crazy generosity. People are selling their property and giving their money to the work of the ministry and they're living together and working together and all these things. But then there's this small group of widows who kind of feel left out of in the cold. And so that need is presented before the body of Christ and God through his people says, select for me some people who are filled with the spirit who can make sure to serve and shepherd this group of people. And so Acts chapter six tells us that those seven men got chosen to be able to make sure that those widows were taken care of. See, they didn't have the title of pastor, but they were pastoring. They weren't called shepherds, but they were shepherding. So use your gift in the body of Christ. And I would say this, in order for any church to grow, you've got to have more than just the top shepherd. (laughs) You've got to have more than just the lead pastor. You've got to have multiple people in the church that have the spiritual gift of shepherding so that all the sheep can be cared for and guided to a place of spiritual maturity. And maybe that's you. Maybe you have the gift of administration or the gift of shepherding that we've been talking about. And maybe it's been lying dormant. I encourage you, pray, ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, how can I, how can I make this gift used? Or how can I use this gift for the purpose that you designed it for at Celebrate Church or within Celebrate Church? Let me give you just this simple warning about those who have the gift of shepherding. Those with this gift need to make sure that they understand what we call spiritual authority. There's a challenge or a temptation because if you have the God-given gift of shepherding, sometimes you will want to resist what the lead shepherd has to say or the direction that they're heading. And I don't say this in a self-serving way because I'm dealing with any kind of conflict. I say this because it's a reality that happens. When God gifts people with this gift, sometimes it ends up where they butt heads. But we've got to understand spiritual authority if we have the gift of shepherding because we are called to submit ourselves to the authority that's over us. That goes for you as a person who's being led You're encouraged to submit yourself to the authority, the authority in your ministry, the ministry leader who's in charge of whatever ministry you're part of, then that ministry leader to the lead pastor and to those over him. That whole idea is really important. This isn't just a one-man show. That's, That's what's important to understand. And it's sure not a who can be the biggest and baddest and best cowboy or cowgirl who can lead. It is this understanding that God never works outside of the lines of authority. He never does anything outside of the lines of authority that he's established. And it always happens with his blessing. So maybe there's a a warning there for us to make sure that we're never part of conflicts or confusion in the church as a result of being gifted with shepherding, but being maybe not in agreement or disagreement with those who are in spiritual authority over us. 
Here's how you resolve a conflict like that. When you say, Pastor, I really think that there's a real issue between myself as a person gifted with the gift of shepherding and the person who is above me. You want me to tell you how to solve that problem? I'll tell you, it's so simple. It's a four letter word you can say in church. Pray. Pray. The Bible says that we're to not just pray for those who are sick, but it actually says that we're to pray for our enemies, that we're to love them. That's hard to do. We should pray for ourselves in the midst of any conflict. See, when people have gifting, sometimes those things don't mesh super well with other people. And there are challenges because they're supernatural graces, but at the same time, there's still natural tendencies. And so maybe you've been part of something like that in the past. Maybe there has been a conflict, but I would encourage you, pray. Pray for the healing of that person. Pray for the strength of that leader. Pray that God's will will be done, not their will, not your will, but God's will would be done in their life and in the life of the church, in the ministry that they shepherd, in the group that they're leading. If you have the gift of shepherding, we want you to be a small group leader. We want you to be a, a, a leader of a ministry. We want you to join the advisory board for the church. We want you to have that gift being used for the growth of the body of Christ. I realize every Sunday with this message series that although we might talk about something that may not apply to you directly that day, there's stuff going on in each one of our lives. So I want you to just close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. If you say, Pastor, I, I'm hurting. I've got something going on in my life right now and I need God. People I know need God. I need his help in my situation, whatever it is, whether it's with your relationship, your finance, your future, your commitments, whatever it is. Would you just slip up your hand all across this room? You say, I just need God today. Father, I thank you that you sent your son to us. And in your word and in his life demonstrated, he is called the good shepherd. I pray that you would help each and every one of us who have the needs that are represented in our hearts by the raised hands. Pray that you would shepherd us today that you would lead us and guide us in the right path. Lord, that you'd give wisdom to those who are lacking it and needing it. God, that you'd give strength to the weary, that you'd heal those who are hurting. God, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, I love the words of the psalmist in Psalm 23. Lord is my shepherd. Father, today we declare that you are our shepherd and we're in need of you. Help us to be assured of your presence with us even when we're walking through what 
may feel like the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, help us to walk tall and strong because we're confident and know that you are victorious. Lord, now I pray for those in our church who have the gift of administration and the gift of shepherding. I pray that you would encourage them in their gifting. And God, I pray that you would help us to serve you to the fullest of our ability with the gifts that you've given us. God, if that's not us and we're not blessed with that gift, I pray that you would help us to encourage those around us who have those gifts. Help us to speak words of encouragement and strength to them in the midst of their administrating and their shepherding. God, I pray that you would help each one of us to be those who are encouragers in the body of Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said...